but yeah, I don't, I don't get the whole like dating a 20 year old thing. No way. Me neither. <laughs> you Me would, either. you wouldn't date a 20 year old either. No. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. To, okay. So that's good to know. Hey everybody. Welcome to the Ignite Agility Podcast. It's Madeline and I'm driving today as the host. Um, I'm interviewing the one and only Randall Dale Eaton about Kanban. <laughs> Say hello, Randall. Hello, Randall. Um, <laughs> so I'm the one hosting today because I am the least well-versed and least experienced having of our little a little company. So um, I'm learning with you guys through this interview. So tell me, Randall, what is Kanban what really? Is, what is Kanban really? Um, well, several years ago, there was, there was a talk um, at one of the Kanban gatherings, and they talked about the need for a new way to talk about Kanban. Um, because a lot of people, and I'm sure several people listening to this podcast, as soon as you say the word Kanban, like a bunch of images pop up, right? Mm -hmm. Like boards and sticky notes and Toyota and stuff like that. And that's kind of where Kanban came from. But ultimately what it, what it is, it's balancing demand and capacity. So if you imagine a teeter-totter, right, mm -hmm. the playground equipment, and you say on one side, we've got a demand for whatever it is we do could be, you know, we're a restaurant, we're a technology company, we're, we're an Instagram influencer, I don't know. Sure. Um, and on the other side is our, our capacity. In other words, what we can do to deliver that work. And if they're out of balance, in other words, if our demand is higher than our capacity, bad things happen. Mm -hmm. If our capacity is higher than our demand, different bad things happen. But how do we get those two sides of that teeter-totter in alignment. And ultimately, that's what we're aiming for. And Kanban is really just a series of tools to help us do that. And so even, um, even kind of more basic than something like a Scrum or a Less or, or uh, things like those, um, it, there's lots of ways to, to fix that balance. Okay. But ultimately, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to say, you know, first of all, where is our balance at? Mm -hmm. We might not know, right? And and so certainly in 2020, the the idea that everybody's really busy and working really hard, you know, is still there. We're just doing it from home now. Right. Um, so we may feel like we're super busy, but humans are really bad at subjective evaluation <laughs> or objective evaluation, yeah. I should say. So unless you do something to sort of gauge how busy you really are, you don't know. Mm -hmm. Same thing with capacity and so there's a certain ability to deliver work or, or perform work, mm -hmm. and it always feels like we don't have enough. But one of the things that the Kanban method talks about is we have more capacity than we think we do. And it's just sort of, okay, without knowing what our capacity actually is, how do we know how to improve it, right? Where does it go from there? And so things like okay, well, we do things a certain way. Do we have to do all nine steps? Could we do eight steps? Great. Now so we... capacity is the thing that you're learning first before you even gauge the demand? No, it actually. It's symbiotic. It's of? usually pretty easy to gauge demand. It's okay. often pretty hard to gauge capacity. Counterintuitive. 
Well, me at least. I mean, it, it, so think of a large organization, right? You, yeah. you don't necessarily um, have a good way to measure what the output of that company is. Because you mm-hmm. say you make products, right? You make a certain amount of products. Sure. You, they go on the shelves. People buy them. That's, that's a way to gauge productivity. Mm-hmm. We ship 55 units or something like that and, and all that. But is that our true capacity? Maybe, right? Okay. And so if, if people are used to just sort of making decisions on, on those sorts of, of metrics, then that's what could happen. Okay. But, you know, ultimately what it is is we're trying to create a way to gauge that feedback. And so when we, the reason for those boards that we talked about isn't just to have a board and sell post-it notes and stuff right. like that. Right? <laughs> it's it's visibility. Well, keep, yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you haven't, if you're an agile for more than like a year and you don't own 3M stock, you're doing something wrong. So it's just like, <laughs> um, that was a joke, folks. I was just kidding. Uh, yes, thank you. Mm-hmm. We'll put the, we'll put the boom, boom in later. Um, but yeah, so, so first of all, it's, it's even, and this is kind of where you were going. You, you sort of have to start to actually look at this stuff mm-hmm. and not just feel like, well, I think it's this or I think it's that. So we're, we get into metrics and stuff like that. But the other, the other nice thing about it is Kanban is what they call a visual control mechanism or visual control model. So we want some way to use our eyes and observe because mm-hmm. humans are really good at observing. We're really bad at like guessing we're really bad guessers we're really bad guessers we're really good seers really bad guessers so what are the ways that we can start to see what our capacity actually is right and again if we're in certain industries this is super easy if we for running a restaurant i can look out at the dining room and i can see how many my tables are full mm-hmm. if half of them are full I, I know where i'm at if all of them are full i know where i'm at other industries, that's really hard to do, you know, especially what they call the so-called knowledge work industries. It's hard to kind of tell, okay, is somebody thinking about a problem they're doing for a customer or are they just sort of like waiting for a Friday afternoon? I mean. Um. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's what we call a loop back. That's what we call it. But um, so how do we get that? How do we get that clarity, right? And so this, the, the idea is credited to Toyota, but it goes back even farther than that. Um, the Japanese islands, being a fishing kind of culture, have a long history of of using like colorful signs to indicate things, right? So uh, we talk about in, in some of our classes, we talk about how when the fish the fish fishermen they were fishermen, I'm assuming, were coming back from the catch, right? They would mm-hmm. when they had the catch, they would hang out these brightly colored signs. Those koi okay. signs and stuff sure. like that, right? That everybody has on their, their cool arm tattoos now. <laughs> and that was the symbol that, well, that's where they came from. That, <laughs> that's, that's where those Everyone's images... got them on their arms. Everybody's on their arms now, yeah. Um, but that's where that idea came from. And so then people walking by could see this fish sign and go, oh, well, there's fish there. I'm going to stop in. But as soon as the fish was gone, they take the sign down. Mm-hmm. Now that's a, that's a symbol for, you know, go away. I don't, right. I don't have any food. Go find another sign. And so that concept is what's been carried forward and carried forward and carried forward. And so Toyota just sort of took the same idea. They credit the grocery store, um, uh, the two gentlemen whose name I can never pronounce, so I won't try. 
um, they talk about being in the grocery store one day and saw somebody restocking the shelves. Mm -hmm. And so there it's this open spot. And we've all seen this at the grocery store, right? There's like a full shelf and then there's a big gap Mm -hmm. and then there's a full shelf. So that big gap functions as, hey, there's, we better go find an inventory and refill this thing. That's what, that's what they said. So how do you unhide this, this stuff, right? That's what we're trying to get at. And unhiding work is, is sort of the other part of it. So you, you often need to get a handle on demand. You need to get a handle on capacity. Mm-hmm. Most organizations find it easier to start with the demand because it's easier to measure, Right, mm-hmm. you just like how many help desk calls do you get? How many? How full is right. your table? How many mailers do you send out? And then the trickier part is okay. Well, how do how do we really? How much work is it to really do that stuff? Mm-hmm. And that might be where we have to start some tracking things. But that's what Kanban really is. How you do some of those things is is kind of where the rubber meets the road. But it, it ultimately is just this quest for balancing demand and capacity. Okay. Man and capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, how would you say that that is, like, how does that differentiate itself besides just being capacity and demand towards things like Scrum and less frameworks? So there, um, there is a Scrum framework as well. I'm sorry, there is a Kanban framework as well. Um, and all, all a framework is, is is an approach to organization, mm-hmm. right? So... Scrum's framework is, you know, we're going to have three to nine people. We're going to have somebody that's in charge of this backlog. Um, less is just essentially a bigger version of that. It's still okay. Scrum. Um, but it's it's the same thing, just sort of expanded. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's other ones out there. But so Scrum has what, let's call it a team focus. So the focus of Scrum, the Scrum framework, is on the team doing okay. the work. And so we're, we're making sure that that team has access to customers and the team then has a clear understanding of what they're supposed to do. And then the team delivers the work. Kanban doesn't have that. Kanban really can be used at the team level. Um, but it, what it tries to do is make us focus on the work. Gotcha. And that's a, that's a kind of a big difference because yeah. Kanban wants us to say, you know, we're not, we're not worried about the people doing the work. We're worried about the work. Yeah. And so you start to ask different questions when you're working in a Kanban framework as opposed to a Scrum or a Less framework. So organizations often start with those, and there's nothing wrong with them, right? Again, depending on what you're doing, it's perfect. But over time, you start to get to a place where Scrum sort of starts to go, well, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. We're not sure what, where we go from here. Yeah. And... And that's the big, the big difference is Kanban. And one of the things that we say in the Kanban community is, you know, focus on the work, let the workers organize to deliver it. Mm-hmm. So instead of worrying about kind of, is my team being busy and productive and things like that, I'm now focusing on, okay, is, is, are my orders moving through my queue correctly? Sure. Or is, are my customers getting happy results of their whatever? Mm-hmm. So it, it's a little different. And so I think a lot of the misunderstanding. Yeah. Cause they are mentioned like so close together. Like, yeah. Yeah. Usually. Yeah. And, and there's, a, you know, there's, if you go out to the internet for five minutes, it's like scrum versus Kanban and stuff like that. Yeah. And it's not really the same thing. I mean, because Kanban is a series of, 
of things just like Scrum is a series of things, mm-hmm. you can use them together. And that's not necessarily you need to come up with a fancy word for it, but if we start to measure the stuff that we're doing in Kanban differently, then I'm sorry, in Scrum differently, then then we get better understanding, right, to what we were just talking about. So um, it requires more discipline. So Scrum is sort of even lightly prescriptive. And what we mean by that is just the, it says here's the roles, here's how often you're going to meet to talk about it. Like here's the, all that stuff you learned in your CSM. Yep. (laughs) 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 Do you want to, no, I won't put you on the spot like that. Um, But then, but then Kanban comes along and says, nope, whatever you're doing right now is cool. So, you know, in theory, you could do Kanban and waterfall. Or you could do Kanban and something. The w word. Which is funny because, you know, more and more people don't really understand what you're talking about mm-hmm. when you say waterfall, right? Like there's a very specific section of the industry that's fixated on waterfall. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for the generation such as yourself and, and afterwards, you know, they're like, what the heck is this waterfall thing? Yeah, I asked that question in my CSM. I remember that. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's. It's over, right? I mean, mm-hmm. that that's the generation the generation before yours and your generation, they're like, this is not how we were raised to work. This isn't how yeah. we work together. So but um but Kanban isn't really focused on sort of how you do the stuff. It's focused on where is the work at. Okay. And so that's the other big difference is you in Kanban we often talk about workflow mm-hmm. and policies. And Scrum talks about um, backlog items and time, you know, time boxes and things like that. Yeah. So it's a, it's you're talking apples to oranges, and and so if you try to talk about the two things together, that's where I think a lot of the confusion comes from. I would agree. Yeah. All right, <laughs> moving on. Um, you mentioned restaurants versus like um, in knowledge. Industries is mm-hmm. that what you used? Nope. Um, knowledge work. Knowledge work. Um, what other kind of organizations or industries do you think should be looking at Kanban, or if not, they might already be using it and not really know? Yeah. Um, well, it, this is this is why again knowing knowing sort of what you need is is important. Mm-hmm. So Kanban wants us to start looking at our work as a as like a series of services. Mm-hmm. So. We're in the restaurant business, just for instance, and it's not that we are actually a restaurant. We deliver plates of food to a table, yeah, you know, and then re- and then clean up after those plates of food, right? We, mm-hmm. That's the service that we provide. And Kanban wants us to start thinking more in that direction because customers um, will want things, but they're not really concerned about how we get that done, right? I mean, right. obviously in the restaurant. There's in restaurant industry, there's a tiny niche where people would like would love to go get a gourmet meal and know how it's cooked and stuff. Otherwise, like top chef wouldn't exist. Right. (laughs) But um, for the most part, you know, if you're if you're hungry, you want food. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, I'm going to assume that the grill is clean and the cooks wash their hands and the plate's been washed and stuff like that. That's just kind of table stakes. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But. With all those assumptions in our mind, I just go, I go to the menu and I say, I want that, right? And that's kind of how Kanban encourages, encourages us to look at all work. 
is just what does the customer want? What are they asking for? Mm -hmm. And are we delivering that? And are we delivering that sort of in the way that makes economic sense for us and them? Sure. So that's a very different question than, you know, when when do we prioritize this work over that work or all mm -hmm. that? I mean, that's that's still there, but it's it's more implicit in how is the work moving forward. Um, you know, like if I if if you stopped and asked a chef, sort of, how do you actually make this dish? Mm -hmm. Right? They can rattle it off, mm -hmm. but because they do it so much, they're they're probably not consciously thinking about okay, first I crack the eggs, then I put them in the bowl, yeah. then I get out the whisk, right? And that's often the level that we're used to dealing with work. Either from, you know, our, our project plan days where we had a work breakdown structure with our task list and stuff mm -hmm. like that. And so the theory was is that the the sum of the tasks rolled up to the to the plate. Which I'm really liking this analogy because for those of you who don't know, I came fresh out of college to this job. I have no like corporate experience, but I worked in a restaurant. Yep, <laughs> that's why. I, that's why I picked it. Um, <laughs> You're so smart. Aw, um, but so Kanman says, okay, well, that's cool, but what about all the other things that we need to be doing as well? So rather than mm -hmm. focusing on is the plate clean or not. You know, what are the ways that that plate gets clean and then are they there? So, mm -hmm. so that, that's, you know, we're shifting it a little bit. And so what you'll hear a lot of times is Kanban is interesting to organizations that are worried about or, or need to be worried about how work is moving through their system. Okay. Um, Scrum or something like that is often more concerned about sort of when the team will start the work in mm -hmm. the future. And so uh, it uses a, a sort of a forecast that um, is made up by the team mm -hmm. to say, okay, here's when we think that particular piece of work is going to happen. Um, so to get technical for a second, that's called deterministic, for, pro, deterministic probability. Okay. So what that means is you and I are going to put our heads together and we're going to say, okay, we're going to start that piece of work in December of this year, right? Sure. And it's a guess. It's a flat-out guess. And like we said at the top of the podcast, humans are really bad yeah. at imagining, and we're really good at seeing. So Kanban takes a little different approach to it. It says we're going to engage in what they call probabilistic forecasting, okay. which is almost exactly what we just talked about, but backwards. Ooh. So forecasting or probabilistic forecasting says all the other times we've done this piece of work, it's taken about this long. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, back to your question about tracking some of this stuff, right? Here's, here's where that becomes really important. Yeah. If we don't know how long it actually takes us to cook breakfast, then we won't know how long to tell anybody it's going to take mm -hmm. to cook breakfast. So first thing we got to do is figure out, okay, it takes this long to mac the eggs, this long. And, and we just track that. Yep. And so the, the initial part of any Kanban uh, work is just sort of watching like, how long did that take? How long did that take? How long did that take? And, and then we can start to have a better conversation with the customer to say, well, you know, the last nine times we made Eggs Benedict, it took 20 minutes. So probably, right, and there's the yeah. probability part of it, probably your plate is going to take um, 
you know, 20 minutes, 20 minutes. Right. And, and that's the theory. And so then over time, we just keep tracking and we keep tracking and we keep tracking. And, and sooner or later, everything is going to fall within sort of the shortest amount of time we've taken and the longest amount of time we've taken. Then the job of the team or the organization or whoever is to try to bring those two points closer together. So we might have, depending on who's making the eggs benedict and who's doing all these other things. Oh, yep. We it, always had those chefs who are like, who's cooking today? Right. Oh, everything's going to take a little bit longer. Exactly. Yep. That's exactly it. And so, and we would track that, right? Mm -hmm. But then, so, so what we'd end up with is a range. And this is usually easier to draw on a whiteboard, but I'll try to visualize it. So you have a range of the shortest time a plate of eggs benedict has ever gone out the door and the longest time a plate of eggs benedict has gone out the door. Mm -hmm. Well, that number might be pretty big, right? It might be yeah. anywhere from 15 minutes to 45 minutes. Yeah. So if I'm asking you as the waitress, like, you know, how long is this, how long is it going to take to get my order? It's going to sound really bad if you say <laughs> 20 minutes to 45 minutes. Yeah. And as a customer, I'm not going to like that. So I'm mm -hmm. like, what are you talking about? But that's true, right? That's, that's a fact. Every plate of eggs benedict we've ever made has gone this long, right? So what Kanban tries to get us to do at that point is how do we bring those two numbers closer together? So what are the ways that um, somebody's pointing at me? I can tell. <laughs> okay, good. Um, what are the ways that we can shorten up what they call the long tail? So that the if we map all these things out on a graph, at some point we're going to have this long tail. Mm -hmm. How do we get get rid of that? Right? And you just named one of the ways. Who's doing the work? Yep. Why is one chef cooking eggs benedict in 20 minutes and one chef is cooking it in 45 minutes? Mm -hmm. What are they doing differently? So that would be what we'd go next. And that's kind of how Kanban leads us into these things is it's to say, well, here's the range of the number. Mm -hmm. What do we do with it? And, and that's different than something like a scrum or a less or uh, like a safe that says we're going to periodically get together and ask how we did and how the work is going and things like that. Kanban says, no, no, you know, we're delivering within this certain range of work. How do we, how do we get that closer to like, it's going to take 20 minutes. And that's yeah. where the continuous improvement part of it comes in. Right. Mm -hmm. So any organization that delivers a service is a good candidate for Kanban. Um, but organizations that need to, to sort of do more future work, let's mm -hmm. say, um, you can do it with the probabilistic forecasting after some time. My brain is going to like a marketing company. If a marketing company tried to adopt Kanban because their job is to create mm -hmm. and maintain a demand. Yep. How does that, can you go into that a little bit sure. and just like show me what that would look like? Um, right. And that's a, so that's a great example. The, one of the things with, with media in particular or marketing in particular is like media buys. Okay. Right. You got to buy, you got to buy space in the magazine, yep. you know, for yeah. next year. So you got to mm -hmm. do that now. So that's the kind of thing that we might actually want to engage in some of the deterministic forecasting. Okay. So if I know I've got to have something ready, I got to have a flyer ready to go into this, this mailer that's going out in Q4 of next year. Mm -hmm. I can just work backwards. I can go, okay, how long does it take us to make that mailer? All right, well, then I'm going to start the work on that date, right? Mm -hmm. So something that, that's a little more kind of future-looking or future-forecasting might do a combination of things. Okay. And so that's where you get sort of um, 
you'd still want to kind of figure out how long it actually took to do the mailer Mm -hmm. because that would still probably fall into that fat tail curve thing that we were talking about. But, you know, something like a marketing agency, because they're always dealing in tomorrow, it's, it's often challenging for them to say, okay, well, here's how long it took us to do this piece of work. Mm-hmm. Unless they're doing the same campaign over again or something like right. that, um, it might be a little more challenging to say, well, the last you know, New York Times campaign that we did took 45 days. Well, yeah. that, that might be relevant for next time. It might not be relevant for next right. time. So that's where there's, there's room for other people to play in the pool. Right? Mm-hmm. Did that answer the question? Yes, that did. Okay. Um, that was kind of my last question, but we can do more if you'd like. Well, so I guess I'll turn this around. So, you know, you don't have the background in some of this stuff and things, but, um, (laughs) based on stuff that you've heard since you've been around here, Mm -hmm. um, you know, what do you think Kanban would be helpful for? Um, so I mentioned this before we started recording, Mm -hmm. but from my time when I started here just over a year ago, we were doing like a hybrid kind of scrum Kanban thing where we had the board, we were doing the sticky notes. Right. And then we kind of just like trickled away from that and are kind of just taking it day by day in 2020, which is totally acceptable. Yeah, that's true. Um, for me and, and my experience here, it's, more like I didn't really ever think of it in terms of capacity and demand. It was more so like, right. Who's got the ball? Who's on first? What are we doing? Why can't we do this? If it's blocked, like it was for transparency's sake more than moving work through, I think. Um, it was interesting though, because taking, having the no experience and then taking a CSM course with Angela with all of these older, more experienced people uh, and I had no idea that like they were talking about extreme programming I had never heard of it until I walked in the door that day Mm -hmm. like just being thrown into it sometimes that's how you have to learn it best Um, and even then um, I've learned that like their frameworks their guidelines they're not bibles if you want the result of the framework, you have to follow it to a T. Mm-hmm. It's okay to not follow it to a T, but you can't expect the same results. Right, right. Yeah, and we're, I mean, at, at Coley, we're kind of in an interesting spot because we we can, we're, we all train and coach, mm-hmm. but you can't do both. Right. And so when, when it's time for Angela to teach a class, for instance, mm-hmm. she's not developing new content. She's not doing any of these other things. So we have these sort of constrained um, services. Yeah. And and we're all like that. Mm-hmm. And so part of the thing that that Kanban board hybrid thing we were doing was trying to show us was, you know, what, how constrained are we actually in terms of work? Yeah. So if, if she's teaching two days a week, what should she be doing with the other three days? Mm-hmm. You know, stuff like that. And so that's interesting stuff and I think we just sort of dropped it because it was you know when COVID hit and all that was it's like yeah let's just just do it (laughs) Trello is now our best friend well and we also dropped we also dropped down from trying to work in two week sprints to to one one week week sprints sprints. I think those helped us a lot just to kind of stay 
intentional and stay present. Right. Right. So that's, that's where we shifted a bit is we, mm-hmm. we deliberately stepped away from this f- sort of approach and then, and then went to a shorter time frame, which totally helped us. I would absolutely agree. Right. Yeah. But yeah, the transparency part of it, the, um, the, um, sort of tracking, okay, well, if, you know, four people in the company are training today, mm-hmm. we're not going to expect a lot of other stuff to happen, right? Yeah. So, yeah. That, no, and that's, that's, where the, that's where the transparency comes in. Mm-hmm. The thing we didn't ever, I think, completely turn the corner on was focus on the work. Yeah. So we talked about sort of here's the training class and here's all the stuff that's needed to deliver that training class. We, mm-hmm. we started to talk in that way, but I don't think we ever actually completely just said, well, you know, CSM on Monday, Tuesday and TKP on Wednesday, Thursday and go from that route. And yeah. We could have done that, but we didn't. And now it's just, yeah, how fast can we paddle the boat? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining us. I hope your commute is going well. Shower, <laughs> cooking, whatever you're doing listening to this. <laughs> peace out all right thanks much (laughs)